Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese TV dramas. This is Karen, and this is Kathy. Today we will be discussing episode thirty-two and thirty-three of Ho Gong Zhen Huan Chuan, Empresses in the Palace. The drama is currently available on YouTube for those of you who want to follow along, at least in the U.S. If you are new to the podcast and have no idea what's going on or what we're talking about, please start with our intro to the podcast and intro to the drama episode. Episode thirty-two is primarily plot-driven, so we'll quickly give a recap. There's a bit more meat in episode thirty-three, but we decided to do these two episodes together so that we can pick up the pace and get through this drama more quickly. In the prior episode, episode thirty-one, An Lingrong, who is one of the best friends or so-called best friends of the main character Jin Huan, with the help of the Empress Huang Hou, successfully recaptured the attention of the emperor. An Lingrong surprised everyone with her newly trained vocal talents. There was a power vacuum since both Jin Huan and the now demoted Nian Fei don't have any favor by the emperor in the imperial harem. So it looks like An Lingrong seized the opportunity. Let's start our recap from here. It's time for another court greeting or Qing An at the Empress's palace. The Empress is flipping through the book. Uh, or records to see who the emperor has been spending time with. Why it's none other than An Lingrong. What a change in fortune! Because before she was very rarely seen by the emperor. Fu Cha Guiren. She's the one who also had a miscarriage, and Xin Changzai are extremely salty about this development. They, not very quietly, disparage An Lingrong's lowly birth status and make fun of her. The empress, upon hearing this, immediately scolds these two ladies. The empress says, "An Lingrong is able to make the emperor happy. I've given you all opportunities, but none of you have succeeded. What only matters right now is who the emperor likes. So we shouldn't be mean to An Lingrong." Let's take a look at An Lingrong right now. She is a noble lady, or Guiren. She has upgraded her wardrobe and hairdo. I honestly don't really like it. The purple doesn't suit her. I don't think. On cue, she starts tearing up. Wow! Look at that! Like one tear just starts forming. I wish I had those abilities. The Empress then tries to console Jin Huan and suggests that she visit the Empress Dowager, to which Jin Huan acquiesces. I love this little detail as well. At this greeting, Nian Fei. Is no longer allowed to leave her palace. She's basically under house arrest, so she's not at the greeting. But they did leave an empty seat for her. We have discussed how the empress herself is such a master manipulator that in literally every scene right now, I have to think: What is she actually trying to achieve in whatever scenario this is? Her telling Jin Huan to, you know. Kind of take it kindly to Anirong's favor right now. That to me also kind of seems like she's trying to create a rift in their their relationship, their friendship. Right. 
So again, right now I'm kind of just like, oh my God, what is she saying? What is her true meaning for literally everything the Empress says right now? I also want to note that you see Huang Ko, the Empress, actually is willing to step up and protect An Lingrong from the barbs of the other ladies. That is a huge reason why I think An Lingrong is willing to change allegiances to be part of Huang Ho's team because An Lingrong needs someone who is powerful to make up for the fact that she herself came from a lowly birth status. Right now, Chen Huan cannot offer any protection, so she needs to find someone else to to basically be her, um, in Chinese we call Kaoshan, or ultimately her support. Right outside of the Empress's palace, Jin Huan is held up by Fu Cha Guiren. Fu Cha Guiren is going to get a lot of screen time in these next two episodes, so here we go. Fu Cha Guiren tries to incite a division between Jin Huan and An Lingrong. She says, aren't you two sisters? You don't have to worry about anything, since even if An Lingrong gets pregnant, you still will share the glory. Jin Huan is rightly pissed off, but before these two ladies can have an all-out spat, An Lingrong sweeps in to save the day. Quite a change, right? An Lingrong mocks Fu Cha Guiren about her walking style, so much so that uh, Fu Cha Guiren just leaves in a huff. Hmm, An Lingrong can be pretty unforgiving. That's pretty new. Well, we've seen that in the first couple of episodes, that she actually is pretty good at uh, delivering insults. Oh, that's true. That's true. I also love the random eunuch that walks behind Jin Huan as Fu Chagrin is leaving. I don't know what he's doing there, but I thought that was just quite funny to see him kind of wandering past. On a dime, though, Ailing Rong turns to Jin Huan and immediately starts tearing up. She pleads for forgiveness about her newfound status. She's like, it's not my fault. The Empress ordered me to do this. I had no choice. If you can't tell, Kathy is visibly rolling her eyes right now. <laughs> Jin Huan is annoyed that An Lingrong hid the situation of her coughing illness and didn't tell Jin Huan about any of her updates, like the fact that she was well. Jin Huan barely even looks at An Lingrong during this scene. You can tell that the cracks in their friendship have become pretty apparent. I mean, before it was like a one-sided friendship, but now, you know, there's some divisions between both of them. Jin Huan next pays a visit to the Empress Dowager Tai Ho. In a surprising move, at least I think so, the Empress Dowager issues some very pointed advice to Jin Huan. Generally, the Empress Dowager likes to stay away from matters of the Imperial Harem. Tai Ho says that, One, I know you're young, but beauty doesn't last for long. Use it to your advantage while you can. Two, you've been wallowing in your sorrow. What about the Emperor? This time you lost your child, next time it could be your life. The Empress Dowager is basically saying, you should snap out of it. But that doesn't happen. Jin Huan resolutely refuses. One of the biggest criticisms lodged against Jin Huan in general by many folks uh, in the drama is that she can be very stubborn. She is focused, perhaps rightly, on her sorrow, but the emperor doesn't see it that way. When the emperor does drop by to see Jin Huan, he immediately leaves once he sees her napping, still holding onto some baby clothes that she previously made for their unborn child, 
and she's crying in her sleep. He's heartbroken too, but doesn't know how to handle it either. After making this pit stop at Junhuan's place, the emperor now turns to visit his own mother, the Empress Dowager. He's irritated at Junhuan and also at himself. In a quick 180 from the earlier conversation, though, the Empress Dowager quickly dismisses Junhuan. She tells the emperor not to see her anymore. After the emperor leaves, the Empress Dowager's maid asks why the Empress Dowager told the emperor to stay away from Junhuan. The Empress Dowager replies that it's better for the both of them to have some time apart. Then she gets to the real reason. As the emperor, he can have favorites, but he cannot love anyone. That is too dangerous. Nianfei lost favor. If Chenhuan becomes the next Nianfei, the balance in the imperial harem will be broken. Chenhuan also needs to learn to quote unquote soften up. It's a really tough life to be a concubine in the imperial harem. Chenhuan needs to learn what it means to survive here. So the Empress Dowager is trying to also teach her a lesson. Let me also take a second to discuss this wonderful lady, the Empress Dowager. She is an absolute MVP. In the Jin Huan Juan or Empresses in the Palace fandom, she and the Emperor are considered the ultimate bosses of the Imperial Harem. I'd say that the Empress Dowager is actually the big boss. She does not seem engaged in the affairs of the Imperial Harem, but she knows all. She also has to balance her own relationship with the emperor. It's not shown very much in this drama, but historically, this empress dowager very much favored her other son, the now banished fourteenth prince, over the emperor. The empress dowager had two sons: the fourth prince and the fourteenth prince. She liked the other guy, not this son. This is something our emperor Yongzheng is acutely aware of. Later on in the scene, a cabinet minister Long Kedu requests an audience with the Empress Dowager, but is denied. Pocket this information. We've heard this name come up a few times already. Trying to seek an audience with the Empress Dowager or send her gifts. We'll learn more about this relationship later. Back with our main character Jin Huan. She and her maid Jingxi unexpectedly wander upon the sickly Duanfei's palace. She is the sickly consort who is at odds with Nianfei. We found out that she's always bedridden thanks to Nianfei. The two ladies pay her a visit, just what I personally, as an audience member, needed—an objective third party to analyze the situation for Jinhuan. Duanfei is the perfect person to be that objective third party. She says Nianfei only just gained control of the imperial harem. She wanted to set an example. Why would Nianfei want anyone, especially you, to have a miscarriage? All of the responsibility will directly be traced back to her. This is not a a win situation for her. So why would she want to do this? Jin Huan still wants revenge, but then here's what Duan Fei says: "I'm not rushing. Why are you rushing? Evil will always get her comeuppance." I think, or I hope, Jin Huan absorbed some of this information. 
It seems like it because she questions her imperial doctor friend Wen Shuchu whether there could have been something else that caused her miscarriage other than the fragrance from Nianfei's palace. They brainstorm everything from food, medicine, her earlier ailments. But come on, think wider. What are you putting on your body, not ingesting? Again, this is just because we have the power of hindsight, so we know like what they're missing. But think wider. <laughs> As Jin Huan heads back, the emperor and An Lingrong catch a glimpse of Jin Huan leaving, but he doesn't call to her. He's still not ready to see her. An Lingrong performs her role as the meek, obedient concubine perfectly. The emperor even comments on it. He wishes Jin Huan was more like her. But one comment from An Lingrong reveals her ambition. She playfully asks, Who do you like better, me or Jin Huan? She uses the, the phrase Wan Jiejie or sister. sister. The emperor airily replies, At this point, you. He doesn't think much of it, but I think this question shows us, the audience, that An Lingrong has been, is, and always will compete with Jin Huan. Which I think is funny because everybody else knows that An Lingrong has nothing to compete with Jin Huan for. Right. Even in this power vacuum, the reason why she has why An Lingrong has this opportunity is because Huang Sheng doesn't want to see Jin Huan because he cares too much. So it's really funny to see or think that An Lingrong believes she has this opportunity. Now, at this point, Jin Huan becomes ill. A fortnight passes, but the emperor still does not come to visit. Without favor from the emperor, Jin Huan's entire palace has also fallen from its previous grandeur. An Lingrong has her maid send over a few peach blossom pastries, but as Liu Zhu the maid rightfully points out, she hasn't actually come to check in on Jin Huan since she has fallen ill. What kind of sister is she? The two maids, Liu Zhu and Huan Bi, come up with a plan. Huan Bi will try to deliver word to the emperor's eunuch of Jin Huan's illness. The next day, the eunuch, Su Peisheng, does indeed deliver the message, but the emperor won't budge. He's waiting for Jin Huan to step out of her slump, or, as he sees it, her stubborn phase. The episode ends with Huan Bi encountering An Lingrong, who is on her way to see the emperor. Let's again look at how much times have changed. An Lingrong is being carried on a litter, not as extravagant as the one Nianfei used to use, but this is still a very high honor. An Lingrong hears Huan Bi's request to talk to the emperor about Jin Huan, but obviously she won't do it. She even tells her own maid she will only speak up when it is advantageous to do so. So that was episode 32. Let's move on to episode 33. We start off with Chen Huan still bedridden. She has a surprise visitor, however, the wife of Dun Qingwang, or the emperor's 10th brother. We've seen her before in previous episodes. This 10th brother, or this lady's husband, has a reputation of being rather aggressive, but this woman is rather kind. 
She doesn't stay long, but does bring a valuable ginseng as a gift, which is quite nice of her in order to uh, help Chen Huan from her ailment. We don't see her much in the future, but this is an important gift. Chen Huan remembers this gift very kindly. We next turn to the emperor. The emperor doesn't go see Chen Huan, but instead spends more time with An Lingyong. He reads from Mencius while she gently massages his legs. He sighs as he's reading and asks for her opinion. Judging by her face, An Lingyong has no idea what he's talking about. She immediately grabs the tea instead. Well, now the emperor then reminisces of happier times with Chen Huan, because if she were here, we'd have a lovely discussion about Mengxius, or Mengzi. He asks An Lingrong, I heard she's fallen ill. Have you seen her? An Lingrong hears this and immediately thinks, oh no, he's missing her. Of course, she doesn't want the emperor to see Jin Huan. Part of it is because An Lingrong also hasn't gone to see Jin Huan, so she needs to steer the conversation in a different direction. What if... Huang Sheng is asking about Jin Huan's current condition. An Lingrong would then show that she isn't actually as close friends with Jin Huan as she is leading him to believe. An Lingrong immediately says, As you know, my sister's illness is really due to some unresolved issues. Well, the emperor doesn't want to hear that. He even says the phrase, Jin Xiang Qing Geng Tie. This phrase we discussed in the last episode about how one gets nervous being too close to home. He's still afraid to see Jin Huan. Um, can I also give some props to the Empress? She said the exact same thing in the last episode, which reflects how well she knows her husband. And the Yong then makes a rather interesting request. On behalf of Jin Huan, she asks if the Emperor would allow Jin Huan to see her family members. Pretty innocent, right? Seems like she's actually trying to be a nice friend. At first, it looks like the emperor will agree, but then he gets annoyed. I don't want Jin Huan talking to her family. This will only make her feel worse. He, therefore, rebukes this request. I don't really know why An Lingrong made this ask to begin with. The reason why is because, again, it seems like a pretty interesting or innocent response, but... Just asking, it makes it seem that Jin Huan wants to see her family. This annoys the emperor. So scheming, so conniving. Well, then, An Lingrong performs the obedient mistress perfectly. She says, please let me know if I make any mistakes, I'll change. I only know that you, the emperor, are always right. For the emperor, oh boy, <laughs> what lovely words. He's very pleased with her attitude and forgets all about Jin Huan. He even gifts An Yong all of the Shu Jin from this year's batch. If you recall, this is a silk brocade we discussed in episode 19 and 20. This fabric is really expensive and difficult to make. Previous batches were given to Jin Huan and also Nian Fei. Now they're all given to An Lingrong. So you see the changing of the times. But do you see how in this conversation, An Lingrong, at the first hint of the emperor losing his resolve against seeing Jin Huan, immediately subtly pushes the conversation in such a way that the emperor decides not to see Jin Huan anymore. Where did she learn all of this? 
This is not the Alingrong we knew at the very beginning of this drama, or is it? This entire time, everyone, including the emperor, believes that Alingrong and Jinhuan are the best of friends. They all assume that they're on the same team. But the two people on said team at this point definitely do not think that. Chen Huan's maids Liu Zhu and Huan Bi are once again bored and upset about their current situation. No one comes to visit anymore since Chen Huan is out of favor. It's in these times, though, that it becomes clear who your true friends are: Shen Meizhuang and Jing Fei. Ai Lingrong, she hasn't bothered to visit at all. The two ladies agree they need to find someone who could help put in a favorable word with the emperor for Chen Huan. But who? Huan Bi, who I'll remind everyone is actually a half sister of Chen Huan, has an idea. What about the seventeenth prince? At this point, Shen Meizhuang comes to visit Chen Huan, who is still in a funk. Shen Meizhuang bluntly points out, "You care too much. You still love the emperor very much. I wonder what you'll be like when you completely stop loving him." Shen Meizhuang then rightfully also lays out An Lingrong's two-faced nature. When Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan had favor, they helped An Lingrong. They shared their gifts and pushed her to favor. Now An Lingrong has the favor. What has she done? Shen Meizhuang has completely lost hope and faith in the emperor, but she tries desperately to pull Jin Huan out of her funk. This is why I love Shen Meizhuang. She is a modern woman. She was burned and resolutely decided to let her affections go. She is not going to pretend affection for the emperor because she's been hurt before and knows where this is going to end up. From that one experience, she knows to back off, and she clearly understands her position in the imperial harem. She is nothing more than a tool. Her integrity then is what fans love about her. She is that chrysanthemum flower she loves so much. For Shen Meizhuang, she knows she has to find support somewhere, since she's pretty much not willing to turn back to the emperor. Her best option is not the emperor or the empress, but instead the empress dowager, the emperor's mother. Shen Meizhuang's smart in understanding that in all of this, the person who could help keep her safe, or at least help her keep her current position, is Tai Ho. We've seen time and again that if you are a woman in the imperial harem without any type of support, you will be ridiculed and hurt by the staff, the maids, and the eunuchs. You need to have some type of support that'll keep you from getting your materials or what,、uh, like your winter requests, from being denied. As we find out, Shen Meizhuang has been spending much more time with the Empress Dowager, helping feed her medicine and taking care of her. The Empress Dowager likes Shen Meizhuang a lot, so she says that Shen Meizhuang should focus more time on the Emperor. But we know that Shen Meizhuang does not care whatsoever. I think it's really funny because Shen Meizhuang is trying to tell Jin Huan. To get out, of, get out of her funk, but she herself is not willing to bend back to the emperor. It's night. Jin Huan is still moping around. Her two maids ask if she wants to play the gu qin, the traditional Chinese instrument we've discussed before. Hint: she doesn't. Suddenly, they hear a faint flute melody. 
It's the famous Changxiang Si. Liu Zhu and Huan Bi goad Jin Huan to investigate, so she takes Huan Bi with her. More like Huan Bi leads her to a secret meeting place. Who is playing the flute? Why it is the handsome seventeenth prince Guo Jinwang. When Jin Huan finally approaches him, he immediately dispenses with all formality. The first thing he says, "You look thinner." That's very direct. It's really obvious that he likes her. He cares a lot about her. I mean, also when you see them together, they look like a very cute pair, more so than when Jin Huan is with the emperor. I mean, like we've said again, we don't. I don't get the attraction. <laughs> well, Jin Huan remembers her own position and responds, "Lian Juan, Xi Feng." 自然是人比黄花瘦 This is a line from a famous female Song Dynasty poet, Li Qingzhao, the first female poet we've talked about on this show. Kathy, did you also know that Li Qingzhao wrote the famous line "知否知否应是绿肥红瘦 This is the title of a very popular Song Dynasty era drama that we're actually thinking about doing for the next、uh, for the the next drama for this podcast. Did you know that? I did. <laughs> well, I did not. So this is very exciting for me. The poem that Jin Huan is reciting from is called Tao Hua Yin. The line that Jin Huan recites, "Lian Juan Qi Feng, Ren Bi Huang Hua Shou," describes a young widow who misses her husband and is feeling lonely without him. At this point, she, the widow, is even thinner than young unmarried women. I'm not entirely sure why the comparison between a widow and an unmarried woman is important. I guess maybe unmarried women are seen as very thin. But essentially, Jin Huan is describing that yes, in her heart she is sad and lonely. Thus, it makes sense she is so thin. Jin Huan thanks the seventeenth prince for saving her the day of her miscarriage. She will repay his generosity when she's able. Notice how she slightly backs away from him. He's disappointed at her pretty cold response. He then even more boldly claims, "I wish you well because you are a kindred spirit to me." Oh, thank goodness he stopped right there. Um, the term he uses is actually "chuzi." It's hard to find a good English translation. I don't know if "kindred spirit" is exactly the way that you would describe it. The direct translation from Chinese to English is someone who knows yourself. In general, a "chuzi" is someone that knows you really well and is a true friend. In many cases, you can have a "chuzi" who is your lover. But other cases, it's just a really good friend of different age groups, different genders. Well, she chides him for secretly meeting her maid, but then asks why he is in the palace and why he is playing this piece. The seventeenth prince says that he met Ailing Rong, but he doesn't really care about her. He tells her, "I played this piece hoping to alleviate some of your sorrows. The piece represents my feelings." Changxiang Si. Which directly translates to longing. He says, "You are longing for someone. I am too. Is that the equivalent of a confession of love?" Hmm. <gasps> <laughs> She immediately stops there. Of course, 
she knows what he means. Remember that he's single still. He doesn't have a wife. He hasn't married anyone, which is really rare for someone of his age and status. He's around like 27, 8, 29, depending on how much time has passed. This is very dangerous. She quickly takes her leave after this. On her way back with Huan Bi, she also reprimands Huan Bi for having secretly met the 17th prince. She's reproaching her as a sister, not a master. She guessed they've met based on the way Huan Bi greeted the 17th prince. It was a general greeting, not a formal greeting. Jin Huan reminds her sister that both of their situations are precarious. It would not do well to meet or to have anybody find out that they have met. Well, what do we have for the rest of the episode? A couple of things. First, we find out that the Empress, Huang Hou, has been requesting that An Lingrong, who is her ally now, drink some type of medicine. It's explained later, but this is actually a birth control that is being used to prevent An Lingrong from having children. This honestly is quite ridiculous. One of the primary reasons women in the Imperial Harem exist is to have children. The Empress is actively trying to prevent that. Her role as the Empress is technically also supposed to manage all of the women or children in the Imperial Harem. She is shirking that responsibility. Unfortunately, there's nothing An Lingrong can do because An Lingrong needs the Empress to survive in the palace. So she has to drink this medicine. The maid who brings the medicine also watches An Lingrong drink it so that she can report back to Huang Ko. Two, Shen Meizhuang, as a true friend, is fed up with Jin Huan moping around and drags Jin Huan to visit the Cold Palace, or Leng Gong. A refresher for everyone that Leng Gong is where concubines in the Imperial Harem are banished to if they are out of favor or if they have been punished. It's a dark and destitute place. When they arrive, Jin Huan sees some of the women there. One of the ladies is Li Pin. We haven't thought about her in a long time, about 20 episodes. She was an ally of the now-demoted Nian Fei and was involved in working with another concubine to poison Jin Huan. She became scared due to a quote-unquote ghost and ultimately ended up insane. After that, she was banished to the Cold Palace in episode 11. Feel free to go back to listen to that episode if you need a refresher on who this woman is. There's just a quick glimpse of her in this scene in the Cold Palace, but it's clear she's in a terrible state. Her clothes are really ragged and dirty, her hair is messed up, and she's completely insane. There's another woman in the group that Shimei Zhuang points out to Jin Huan. The woman is the woman who used to live where Jin Huan lives now. This lady also had a miscarriage. This is the woman who suffered due to the musk hidden in the palace that Jin Huan discovered back in episode four. If you want to go back to episode four to learn more about this or have a refresher, definitely check that out. This woman never made an appearance before now, but is also shown to be completely insane. Jin Huan is utterly grossed out by the situation, but Shen Meizhuang explains that this woman was banished not because she had a miscarriage, but because she was so distraught after losing her child that she confronted the emperor. He got really mad and banished her to the cold palace as a result. Shen Meizhuang is saying that this is a warning to Jin Huan. If Jin Huan doesn't 
snap out of it, she might share the same fate. What a good friend. The last push that finally gets Jinhuan out of her funk is actually done by the idiotic Tifei and the cruel Fu Cha Guiren. Tifei is the mother of the third prince who previously tried to poison Jinhuan. Jinhuan accidentally bumped into Tifei while out on a walk with Fu Cha Guiren. Fu Cha Guiren goes off on Jinhuan, which technically isn't allowed because she's of a lower rank than Jinhuan, but the two ladies gang up on Jinhuan. Tifei is angry she can't see her son anymore due to Jinhuan. Fu Cha Guiren thinks that Jinhuan caused her miscarriage as well. The end result is that Jinhuan is punished quite severely. Tifei orders a maid to slap Jinhuan's face repeatedly to the point that Jinhuan is bleeding. Tifei also orders Jinhuan to kneel for two hours. Jinhuan takes the punishment without much of a fight. Instead, she's in a daze for most of it. When Jinhuan returns to her palace, however, she asks her maids to find a bunch of butterflies and to retrieve her makeup. The episode ends with Huan Bi. Jinhuan's maid asking the 17th prince for help retrieving these butterflies. Clearly, Huan Bi did not listen to her older sister saying that she should stay away from the 17th prince. Well, that was a lot of plot to have happened in the last two episodes. This podcast episode is also quite long. We saw a whole myriad of concubines, from Duanfei to Qifei to Li Pin to Fu Cha Guiren. A whole lot of screen time for these women. Um, which is quite fun. Time for our analysis. Let's start off with the book that the emperor reads when he's with Anirong. He quotes from Mengzi, or Mengxus. Mengxus is one of the most famous Chinese philosophers who lived during the Warring States period from 372 BC to 289 BC. The dates aren't totally clear, so that's kind of the consensus. He is a fourth-generation disciple of Confucius. In China, his status as a philosopher is only second to Confucius. People will refer to their teachings as Kongmeng. During the Yuan Dynasty, he became known as the Second Sage. His writings focused more on the humanity and benevolence of people. The quote mentioned in this drama is this, Ru ze wu fa jia bi shi. This quote comes from the writings of Mengxus, specifically the piece This is quite famous. Um, while I didn't know of the entire piece, I've heard bits and pieces uh, growing up and from various other writings and dramas and all of that. Here's my translation of the quote. If a nation does not have ministers or courtiers who follow the rule of law, if there aren't foreign issues or equally powerful foreign powers, the nation will often lead to self-destruction. Mengxus's overall message is Those who are content with peace will die. Our emperor Yongzheng takes this learning to heart. A ruler cannot be content. He always needs to be on his guard. Those were the ones who were successful. Anling Rong, of course, doesn't get this. I doubt she's read Mengxus. So again, this is why Yongzheng was reminiscing about 
earlier times with Jin Huan. This is very much on a political spectrum. Mengshis is not required reading for any woman. So the fact that Jin Huan knows this is, again, very telling about her own status and, and her background. I also want to discuss what the emperor listed out as the qualities he wanted in a woman in the last episode. The one I remember the most is, for her, for his ideal woman, she cannot be too smart, but also not too dumb. We've seen quite a few women these past two episodes. Can we or shall we do a sort of a rank of them? On the not too bright side, we have Li Pin. She's already banished. We see her. She's kind of gone insane. She's in the uh, cold palace. Qi Fei, the mother of the third prince. I'll put Fu Chagui in here too. Making enemies in such a blatant way is not the smartest path to take or a great way to destroy someone. So we'll put her there. I'll also put Nian Fei here too. She... Mm, does not really know what the rules of the Imperial Palace are. so She's too arrogant, so yeah. she's not too smart. We've also seen comments or heard comments from the Emperor where she has not read enough books. On the smart side, there are quite a few ladies. We have, I think, Shen Meizhuang, Jin Huan, Anling Rong is now in this camp, Cao Guiren, Jing Fei, Duan Fei, the MVPs, the Empress, and the Empress Dowager. These two ladies, as we've seen and uh, have already discussed, really do know it all. How can anyone be in the middle, though? You have got to be smart enough to stay alive, or else you just kind of are not favored. Well, I guess the, the only two ladies that probably are in the middle are Xin Changzai, who we briefly saw at the beginning of episode 32 or Jingfei. But honestly, they also don't get too much favor. So, I mean, what's the point of being like in the middle? To the emperor, I don't know what you're thinking. How can anybody survive without being intelligent? So I don't know who you're thinking about as your ideal woman. Lastly, I want to analyze the differences of our three ladies, Jin Huan, Anling Rong, and Shen Meizhuang right now, especially their attitudes towards the emperor and to one another. Shen Meizhuang has completely shut herself away from the emperor. She's not even brokenhearted. She just doesn't care. She scoffs at trying to gain favor from the emperor and instead has resigned her fate to spend time with the empress dowager, her support. Let's not forget, though, the only reason why Shen Meizhuang has the backbone to be able to do this is because her father still holds a relatively powerful position at court. She does treat Jin Huan still as a real sister. And this is a true friendship. Anling Rong has successfully captured the attention of the emperor. She has molded herself to be the meek, subservient woman that the emperor wants. How is it that she can do this so easily? Well, there is the empress's influence, but I also think it's because there's no true emotion between her and the emperor. She simply views her actions as a way to gain favor. She's ambitious this way. She doesn't care what she has to do, who she has to turn into, or what she has to uh, kind of give up to receive that wealth and to receive that, those riches. She's willing to align herself to the empress, 
even drink the birth control just so that she can secure her fortune. For An Lingrong, who cares about Jin Huan? She will say that Jin Huan is her friend, but you know what? As An Lingrong, she will not let the emperor see her. How is this a mark of true friendship? And finally, let's talk about Jin Huan. She is a mixed bag right now. She is in a tough situation, but I also want to point out that a lot of this is her fault. Yes, she lost her child. It is devastating. But again, as Shen Meizhuang points out, Jin Huan is attributing her feelings for the emperor as love. She loves the emperor and is expecting the emperor to treat her with the same amount of love. Honey, this is the imperial harem. This will not happen. Look at what the empress dowager said. The emperor cannot love someone. The emperor, especially in such a patriarchal society, will not wait for you. He will move on. On the other hand, she is also pretty arrogant. She has in Jin Huan. I think deep down, she really also looks down on An Lingrong. She never treated An Lingrong as a full equal, but at the same time, why would she? She hasn't known her for that long compared to her relationship with Shen Meizhuang, who they grew up together. So, I mean, they've been friendly, but they're not true friends. Throughout all of this, Jin Huan does not reach out to An Lingrong. I don't think she deigns to do so. She can't believe An Lingrong has risen so high and she has fallen so low. It's a huge blow to her ego. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge blow. Jin Huan is waiting for the emperor to take that first step. But she's forgetting he is the emperor. Why would he do so? It looks like this encounter with Fei and Fu Chagrin is the one that finally snaps her out of her funk. But come on, it's been a while. You're going to die if you don't snap out of it. Even the Empress Dowager has been helping you. Get over it. And we need to see Jin Huan, you know, come back and start, start uh, kicking some butt. Wow, that was a very long episode. Uh, Episode 32 and 33. We'll wrap it up here. Hope you all enjoyed our discussion. We kind of talked about a lot of things here. Um, If you have any questions or comments, please, as always, email us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. We are working hard to produce more episodes as everyone, I'm sure, has more free time now. Hope you guys enjoyed our discussion today. We will see you in the next episode.